live from the NextCast Phanthropological Institute. Today we're talking about fans of cosplay. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that brings the fans I view to you. I am Nick G, and today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about cosplay. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick Z. Hey, everybody, I'm cosplaying as myself. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> Z is definitely the heel in this episode. <laughs> and Nick T. Uh, I am obviously a Pokemon trainer, as is evidenced by Pikachu. <laughs> No, seriously, I I want yeah. I had this big old helmet, but it doesn't fit on my head with my headphones. <laughs> it's better than just holding up a phone and saying I have Pokemon Go on it. <laughs> As it turns out, though, this week we are not talking about Pokemon Go. We are not even talking about Pokemon. This week we are talking about fans of cosplay, which, in a strange twist, are not really so much fans of cosplay as people who do cosplay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dive right into it with the fandom facts. Fandom facts. First of all, if you're watching this episode and you don't know what we were about, thank you for watching. Mm-hmm. But regardless of that, uh, we'd like to give a little bit of information about the fandom before we get started in case you didn't know or in case you'd like to know more or maybe we'll reveal some interesting tidbit. Who knows? The origins of cosplay. Cosplay is, of course, a portmanteau of the words costumed play. It is a hobby where people known as cosplayers wear costumes to represent a specific character. That's a very simplistic definition, and of course I will elaborate in needless depth. Cosplay is quite diverse. Cosplayers may create costumes, be part of photo shoots, attend masquerades, get into character, gender bend characters, mash up known characters with other genres or intellectual property, or many, many other things. The history of cosplay is quite long, but fortunately we have a shorter version because uh, we don't have all day and I, like we only do, (laughs) we do our research a week at a time, so we don't have a lot of time to write books between episodes. (laughs) Not yet. That being said, um, the act of fan costuming, which we often refer to interchangeably with uh, cosplay, predates the term cosplay. Uh, in 1939, Myrtle Rebecca, also known as Morojo, and Fori Ackerman uh, did some of the first fan costumes, which they referred to as Futura costumes, at Worldcon 1939, which is the World Science Fiction Convention. So, quite a long time ago. There's an interesting quote uh, from the fanlore page, which comes from another source, but I quoted the fanlore page, uh, which says, Morojo was the first person who single-handedly brought fantasy into real physical space when she created and wore her costume. Given modern cosplay's intense focus on individual creativity and craft, it's bizarre that Ackerman is the one most credited as being the OJ cosplayer in fan literature. Morojo, who made the Futura costumes, deserves the bulk of the credit. Uh, To crush the next few decades of history into a single sentence, the (laughs) idea of dressing up like your favorite fictional character caught on and gained traction, shockingly. Uh, After 1939, costume contests became an annual tradition at Worldcon, drawing more and more participants from each passing year. So 1939 to 2017 is like, what, 80? Maybe 78 78 years. Yeah. Yep. It was not until much later than 1939 (laughs) 
that the term itself was coined, and the coinage varies in terms of who it is attributed to. Some sources claim that cosplay started after Japanese fan Nov Takahashi attended the 1984 Worldcon in Los Angeles and reported on the costume activity there in Japanese science fiction magazines. However, Nov Takahashi was using the term cosplay as early as June 1983, and there are other instances of fans cosplaying outside of North America. In any case, regardless of the origin of the term, because of the growing popularity in Japan of cosplay and things like anime and manga becoming popular in North America, cosplay was re-imported into North America, assumed to be Japanese in origin, even though technically cosplay <laughs> is Japanese of origin, but fan costuming having a much longer tradition. And um, I don't know that we're actually going to talk about cosplay as it means in Japan, because that's a specific definition that I did not look into for reasons. <laughs> Those reasons being I ran out of time. It happens. A little bit. Mm -hmm. In terms of when the fandom was most active, now is a pretty good approximation. Google Trends data gives the impression that it's been increasing in interest since 2004, but it has some waviness to it um, of particular interest. There is a con season. There is a spike in interest in cosplay popularity, which starts in July and ends in October every single year. <laughs> It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Like clockwork. I was like, there's no way. It's like, nope, every year. <laughs> it's different little in-betweens, but it's always up or then down. I managed to find fan demographics. Oh. Hey. Hey. And would you believe that one of the people who did the research is a person that we've met? Ah? Eh? Ah? Ah? No guesses? Uh, oh, I didn't know you were, you were listening. Oh, sorry. Guesses. That's my bad. <laughs> I've got a guess. Go ahead, Z. Steve Savage. Oh, that's a good guess. Uh, I didn't find anything from him. Okay. Uh, gee, your shot. And I know you're not throwing away your shot. Who have... I will not throw away my shot. Uh, who have we met? Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's not somebody we actually interviewed. Uh, I'm going to say... This was my guess before you said that. Okay. But that has... I'm going to guess Lady Zero. Ooh. Not quite. Okay. So the person who we met at Con Bravo... At a late night panel is cosplay calamity. Oh, oh, yeah. Hey. So I later found there was another group that cool. that conducted some research on fan demographics, but I pulled all my data from cosplay calamity. Their survey for 2017, so it's very fresh. And I looked at the other survey, and I had similar results from a few years ago. So with the sample size of just under 300, most of the correspondents were ages 20 to 25, so almost 40 percent. Then 26 to 30, with about 26%, and 31 to 35, about 13%. So most of the people are young. In terms of gender, most of the correspondents were female, about 82%. Oh, wow. Yeah. The other survey was about 75%, but those are in the same ballpark. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Interestingly enough, this included information on how people identify in terms of sexual orientation. 56% identified as straight, which... When I wrote that, I was like, yeah, okay, that seems reasonable. But the part I didn't realize is that if you invert that, that means 44% identify somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. Mm -hmm. Some amount of queerness, which is well above many other populations. <laughs> yes. In that same article, I think uh, Calamity mentions that millennials are often seen as the queerest generation. Interesting. Okay. At about like 7%, but 44 is a lot larger than 7. Yeah. 
It's a lot larger than like a census would be of yeah. just like yeah. people, you know. Mm-hmm. Most identified as Caucasian, about 80%. Most have an undergraduate degree mm-hmm. or some undergraduate or trade education. Combined, that's like almost 75%. And most of the respondents, about half, earn under 20K. Interesting. Expensive hobby, uh, not rich fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can be expensive, right? There were several articles I read that, that spelled out how expensive it can be. <laughs> For reference, there was a separate survey that I found run by two clinical psychologists, Dr. Andrea Letamendi and Dr. Robin Rosenberg, which had about 900 participants. But from the data I saw, they were pretty comparative. And you should definitely check out either of those because they also included some questions about mental health or chronic illness and just some other interesting data. We always love data here on the podcast. I love data. It's the <laughs> best. It's like, it's not like I'm a data nerd, but I just love like looking at a fandom and just seeing like weird little trends. <laughs> Both statistics information and also data from Star Trek. Oh, he's great. <laughs> Way better than lore. Took me a very, very long time to get the... Uh significance of their names yeah that's pretty much all i had for fandom facts because Mm. i wanted to stick to the meat of things and some of the other information that i gathered is not super exciting or questionable not questionable i got the data from the same source i just don't trust it (laughs) fair enough kind of sketched an outline yeah kind of some of the activity yeah yeah that does bring us though to our famous last words from last episode which were words that we got to say before we had done the research this week. Yep. Uh, I don't know who wants to start. I have all of our words here. I'll start okay. because we almost pretty much covered mine. Oh, okay. That's true. Gee, your famous last words were a statement. Cosplay is the most popular now than it's ever been. Hmm. As you said, pretty much almost, yeah. Specifically October 2015. Oh, that was the spike I didn't look into. It was like the peak. But, like, still, yeah. Hmm. Like, it's just like a general... I wonder if that had to do with, like, the general popularization or, like, mainstreaming of uh, Comic-Con. I mean, yeah. And of cosplay itself. Well, yeah, as part of it. Because, I mean, like, they'd have a segment on the news. When a fairly big Comic-Con would be in area that news covers. Yep. And they'd be like, oh, check it out, the Comic-Con, people dressed up in crazy costumes. And I think, I think there was a little bit of, like, freak pointing initially (laughs) yeah yeah but more and more people saw that and was like that looks like fun so then it became like instead of oh man these people are actually dressing up as fictional characters or (laughs) it now becomes find the most impressive costumes yeah or the coolest costumes because attention is like this is what people are doing yeah so i feel like there has been a change we talked about this off air the embrace of nerd culture is not going to end anytime soon. So Hmm. along with that comes cosplay. Yeah. I'm going to skip over Z's famous last words, not because they're not important, because I think there's a good segue. (laughs) But she just meant we're just not going to do them. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, sorry, Z, bad news. The next season only has room for two podcasters. Oh, no. Oh, sorry, G. (laughs) 
What? Or sorry, T. <laughs> you know what? Let's let's just move on. Ooh, uh, twist. All right. Find out next season. Oof. My famous last words were: <laughs> Is there a competition for the worst cosplay, like the Razzies? Um, for those who don't know, the Razzies are a bunch of awards given out to the worst movies of the year. I will specify they're given out the night before the Oscars. Oh, I didn't know that. That's even better. Ooh. They're all like because everyone's there. Yeah. In Hollywood, mm-hmm. whatever. But anyway, yeah, go on. Very few people actually go in to receive their Razzies. Uh, That's true. The example that I know of is, I think, for Catwoman, Halle Berry came in. Yes. Yeah. I think it was Sandra Bullock won a Razzie and an Oscar in the same weekend. I think. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll look that up and you uh, continue. In good news, I found out that such a thing does not exist. While the Razzies are cool as a concept, I was like, man, I can imagine that cosplay is hard enough without people being jerks. I found out there are many lists of people compiling the, quote, worst cosplay ever, Mm -hmm. but I didn't find a set of awards, so I'm happy with that. This is one of the few occasions where I asked a statement and I'm glad that I didn't find anything. Yeah, that's probably for the best. We don't need to be like, hey, look at this stupid person in their cosplay. As you said. It's not that easy to make a cosplay, or I should say make a costume, because that's literally what we're talking about, not a cosplay, because I'm a moron. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's not that easy to just make a costume. So, like, everyone, you know, puts their effort in, so there's no need to be like, oh, look how dumb your efforts are, kind of mean. Incidentally, Sandra Bullock is the only person to win a Razzie and an Oscar in the same weekend. She has range. Won a Razzie for All About Steve. And uh, an Oscar for The Blind Side in the same weekend. Hmm. I don't think I've seen either of those. Nope, neither have I. Nope. That's Showbiz Minute with G. <laughs> All right, back to News Desk with Z. <laughs> All right. All right, I'm hoping there's some breaking news. What's the headline? The headline is, there are rules to the internet, for example, Rule 34. Should there be a new rule about cosplay that states, if there is an IP, there is cosplay of it, and you had an alternate famous last word, which is, is there anything for which there hasn't been a cosplay? Which seems even harder to answer than the first question. I mean, the first question is totally unverifiable. Should there be this? Yeah, and the second one is prove a negative, which is impossible. <laughs> well, welcome uh, Twitch audience and podcast listeners and podcast hosts to this night. Why do the impossible? What? Because, depending on how how granular and specific you get about characters... <laughs> Real granular and specific. <laughs> <laughs> They're very specific. Every grain of sand specific. There are some characters who have never been cosplayed. And in some cases, it's just like physical bodily limitations, but also limitations of physics. Like if there's a character who has something floating around them, or who themselves floats, chances are they haven't been cosplayed. Just because that's like an extra layer of complexity on top of, you know, making up all the all the garments, all the props and whatever for that character. Sort of the this second little, little thing in there. I found this article on on my internet. Books. No. On the internet. <laughs> on Smosh.com. It was this article about six comic book characters who have never really been seen cosplayed and you know they mention characters like every you know the characters everybody remembers very fondly like 
Armored Daredevil. Right. Or Fighting American. Or Shax Steel. Or Noseless Wolverine. Wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So I uh, I googled these characters, you know, with cosplay in there as well. And nothing came up. And the reason for that is that they're either like specific instances like these would be in a video game these would be like skins you would unlock for a character alt skins alt yes yes absolutely you know that are like so specific like it comes from this stretch of the comics during this decade like this story arc even that nobody really knows who they are except for the hardcore fans and the hardcore fans don't really care about them because they're from like that generally agreed upon bad period for western comics in the 90s when like rob liefeld's liefeld's yeah liefeld's liefeld's maybe anyway designs were running wild and the art was like really weird and kind of hard to look at so you get this bunch of characters that they've handpicked thanks smosh.com that don't really have cosplayers because there's so little affection for them and they're just so unknown I did look up uh, Steel in particular, the character Steel, a uh, character who was from the Superman universe comics, Mm -hmm. who was saved by Superman and in in being saved was like inspired to become a vigilante himself. So he like made a metal suit for himself or he like encased himself in steel or something. And Mm -hmm. that's his superpower. Yep. I believe his name is the very on the nose John Henry Irons. That sounds right. Yeah. He was one of the Supermen, Supermans. Superman around when when like OG Superman Clark Kent died. Oh, yeah, he was one of the ones that appeared. Okay, he's got a suit made of steel and rocket boots and a sledgehammer. Yep. So of course, in the nineties, got to make some comic book movies before they knew how to make them really well. Um, and you got to have like the biggest stars of the day. Oh. Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, he can do a genie. He can do a superhero. Let's green egg and ham it, everybody. So everybody hated that movie, <laughs> Shaq's Steel. And so there are no versions of the Shaq costume of Steel. But there are plenty of other versions inspired by the comics. So that rule, maybe. But I mean, you got to get really specific if you want to have a, a new rule for the internet that everything's been cosplayed. Some things just haven't been. Well, versions of characters are very tricky, right? Because they could be supplanted with new versions and like that. Oh, yeah. Like, if the movie was terrible, but the costume design was regarded as being, like, quite a good version of the Steel costume, you would see people cosplaying it, I'm sure. Definitely. Also, did you see some cool cosplay of Steel? Some pretty cool cosplay, yeah, for sure. Also, in my search, I came across uh, an article that was, like, CBR.com's list of 15 cosplays we thought weren't possible but fans proved us wrong <laughs> and there was like a, somebody dressed up as mystique mid transformation oh that's a good one what? Man. another person was like groot but they looked identical to groot in the movie like the cg version <laughs> which was crazy Man. somebody was ripley from the alien movie and like the the mech work suit like the giant uh... mech walking suit that she uses to fight the alien queen there were a lot of crazy, crazy things. Even something as simple, at least in execution, as uh, Zordon from the Power Rangers. 
Oh, wow. Was something you, you would think would be impossible, but somebody did it by like having a diorama of like the Power Rangers base with little action figures of the Power Rangers um, and just wearing that so that their face, they painted it white or silvery and that was Zordon. That's it. Amazing. So like people can work around a lot of crazy limitations, but it all comes down to affection. All those characters, Zordon, Ripley, loved. If your costume is dependent on context and you don't have the context, you have to make the context. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if we've ever had a turkey in terms of famous last words about us all being right. I don't think that that's happened. I don't think so either. Well, didn't continue that trend today either. No. Let's do the thing that is the best part of the episode, mostly because that's why the episode exists at all. Let's get to the why. Why? I actually got into cosplay because I was I was drawing on oikaki boards. Um, Japanese drawing boards back when I was like 10 when I first started using the internet and when my friend Shia Wind started cosplaying she started posting things um, on her like MySpace and stuff and that's that's what got me into cosplay because she did like Final Fantasy characters with our friend Desiree and um, so I was a really really big fan of them and they kind of had me like inspired so i started that back then when i was like i think it was around uh it was 2006 so i was like 15 when i first started so we knew we knew each other for a while before i started cosplaying insanity probably uh an overestimation of my time and abilities (laughs) just wanting to be the best like no one ever was I don't know. I I don't know. Um, really, that's what everybody's doing. Like every single person who's out there cosplaying right now, is doing it by themselves or maybe with the help of like one other person. It's like the most DIY you can be, and so like I'm by no means am I unique in saying like, oh look at this like crazy piece of embroidery or. This really elaborate set of armor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. All right. Before we get to the why, I wanted to say something. But you should say this the why. All right. <laughs> wow, that was a very quick facade that dissolved. <laughs> Let me tell you why cosplay is probably going to be my favorite episode of Pantherological so far. In a word, it's because in a few words rather, it's because it's obvious and also very personal. Hmm. Most of the fandoms we take a look at are very subtle. It's like, what is a fan? What is not a fan? (laughs) There's no ambiguity to cosplayers. We're talking about people who dress up in costume. Did you do that ever? You are definitely a fan of cosplay. I mean, there are also people who are fans of people who are cosplayers, but like that is too meta for us. That is not the point of this episode. Cosplay almost entirely transformative. Yes, but it has an element of curativeness yes, to yes, it. Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, there's like this element of screen accuracy and, and all that. But yes, it's entire, almost entirely transformative. And it intersects so many different things. It's like the high notes and the low notes. All, all the things? Yeah, all the things. I mean, te- yeah, technically all the things. <laughs> and it's like, I'm looking forward to this. That's where I'm going with this. Cool. Sounds like someone did the verdict already. 
<laughs> yeah. So what is it about cosplay? Why aren't they some weird nerdos mm. wandering around at a convention? Yeah. When it's not even Halloween. I know, right? <laughs> well, obviously because it's almost Halloween and HR said that we can't do Halloween on the 31st and... <laughs> makes sense yeah it makes <laughs> sense all right i'll start with this it is a a higher correspondence way of expressing fandom than a lot of other ways right because participation is indicating you're part of the group mm-hmm. yes and also like imitation is the sneers form of flattery you are inhabiting a character that you like or admire like that and visually adopting their guise Mm-hmm. so that's a very like direct way of expressing like i love this character i love these aspects of this character or this character means something to me in a significant way mm-hmm. because there's a there's a time and effort spent in order to achieve that mm-hmm. so it's a it's a very clear expression of fandom it's a very clear expression of identity too mm-hmm. yeah that's true i mean like fandom is expressing that but like more more so than many of the other things we've talked about yes Especially if the character you're cosplaying is from a thing that has a large selection of characters. Yeah. 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 Like if you if you were cosplaying as something from like Dragon Ball, it's like, oh, yes, you are very like it, it doesn't have the same display of your identity because all the characters are kind of similar looking. And I'm not being critical. I just mean that like if you cosplayed as something from from a show like, I don't know, Game of Thrones, which has a reasonably large cast of characters, it's like not only does it give you some indication that this mm-hmm. person is a fan of a particular thing but it tells you about either traits that they admire in other characters or they they have a particular aesthetic that they are fond of mm-hmm. to an extent even with something like dragon ball z somebody cosplaying as vegeta versus somebody cosplaying as goku two characters who look very similar okay that's true with very different personalities and like values are like i would th- i would think cosplaying as those two different characters because they relate more to like the values or the like personalities than the looks necessarily. That's fair. Because that's another aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean the costume is a, a big part of it, right? You've got to, <laughs> you've got to like that costume enough to spend at least forty hours, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, to make it. So that's definitely an element. But like, you're not just throwing together a jacket or something. It's that that character's jacket. It's Jughead's jacket. It's Captain America's jacket. You know. You've got to identify with some element of the that character. Okay. Some sort of psychological element. Like, okay, fine. You you dress up as Captain America. You have a Captain America jacket or something. Oh. Like, he's got in, in a comic. Not the same as cosplay for us. And it doesn't really get into, you know, fine, somebody did that. It doesn't tell us why somebody decides to build an Iron Man costume or dress up as All Might. Oof. Or paint themselves in body paint and become mystique. Mm-hmm. I mean, on one hand, T, what you just said isn't cosplay is definitely cosplay. Yeah, I know, but I'm like... But, <laughs> but let's say that's not the only reason that people cosplay. Fine. <laughs> like, you can do that. Even if some people want to embody the visage of a character, maybe they don't want to act like that character as well. Anyway, so you're talking about, like, you're not just, like, find a jacket at the thrift store and kind of adding some patches or whatever you're talking mm-hmm. about like the heavy time investment uh, uh noun <laughs> <laughs> heavy time investment <laughs> investment is a noun did you know Ooh. <laughs> 
okay. I didn't mean to say that wearing a jacket as an example wasn't uh, isn't mm-hmm. cosplay. But what I did mean is that as ways that fans can express themselves, like wearing embroidered items or wearing things that are indicative of a of a fandom, like those are things that you can do outside of of cosplay. It doesn't mean that it's not cosplay, but like you were you were getting at it, there is this um idea of getting more into the character. And that, I guess, is part of the way. I, I was just trying to distinguish it from just, like, wearing uh, <laughs> What's a good example? Like, I don't know. If you were a Dragon Ball Z fan and you had a scouter. Right. Like, I'm not saying you're not a fan. You're definitely a fan. I'm not saying you're not cosplaying. Yeah. Maybe you are. But, like... Yeah. It's not helpful as, as far as we're talking about fans of cosplay. Right. That I was never talking about that. Okay. I'm talking about people dressing up as a character. Right. Sorry. But yes, but that's a good point. That is, it's, it's much more visually impressive, kind of an obvious signifier of of, of time and effort for you to dr- fully dress as a character you like than to wear a t-shirt or something like that. Yeah, and it, it goes beyond I like just expressing that this is part of my identity. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like another another thing I came across quite readily is people like the challenge. Yeah. Especially because it's from something they love or something they admire, like a you know, you know comic or, or video game or mm-hmm. or what have you. Take that, like that thing that mm-hmm. you just see in two D, possibly three D if you paid the extra three dollars, but <laughs> mo- mostly in two D, and actually make it in in your actual real three D life. Mm-hmm. This isn't actually cosplay, but it's a good example of the same. Uh, the guy we met at Four City Comic Con who made the Optimus Prime truck. That's true. Oh yeah. Or people who have made um, Daleks or any anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that makes a lot of, a lot of sense because other fandoms who have a large transformative component, it's like okay, I had thoughts which are fuzzy, non-physical items, mm-hmm. and I converted them into let's say a fanfic. There's no less accomplishment in that. But there's a different sensation between taking fuzzy word stuff in my head and putting it into a computer and taking fuzzy picture stuff in my head and turning it into a real thing. I developed software and like that's taking head stuff and putting it into virtual space, but that's not the same. No. I didn't make a real thing. I didn't turn uh, an idea of a character's like sword or armor into real armor that's made out of cardboard or glue or anything like it's (laughs) there is both a sense of accomplishment in working with materials and having something that that is yours and that you did and you did your way and also just this sensation of turning something not real into something real you're giving life to something yes because every single aspect depending on how detailed the costume you're making or how detailed Mm -hmm. the thing that you're focusing on is from every single thing that you see you have to turn into physical reality somehow Mm -hmm. and that ties into another thing that i found or like a a 1b of this (laughs) that i found which is like cosplay incorporates so many disciplines i posted on my instagram because i was so proud for thinking of this i had to my um my scabbard for brienne's sword Mm. i wanted it uh, laced around the edges with that uh, rawhide lacing 
And obviously I didn't have any sort of needle wide enough for that, so I kind of DIY'd one out of Warbler scraps. And it worked! Like, it did work, and all of the holes were made with, like, a barbecue skewer. Mm -hmm. Sewing. Yeah. Embroidery, perhaps. W working with stuff like Warbler. Crafting. Mm -hmm. Dying. Dying. Dying, yeah. yeah. Makeup. Yeah. Photography. Yeah. Community building. Car Carpent <laughs> carpentry yeah carpentry. <laughs> i mean if you build a mecca it mm -hmm. might be metal working sometimes yep well actually yeah. sorry not just for robots for for like jewelry and things like that yeah mm -hmm. resin casting oh yeah mm -hmm. I, not every cosplayer is going to go through all of those things when they're crafting assuming they're crafting because cosplay is interesting and in that you don't have to be the person who's making the thing mm -hmm. it's true which I'm sure we'll get to. But like you're right, that that is a lot of different disciplines to to get into for the sake of a hobby. Like if you liked woodworking, you might make birdhouses, but you wouldn't like also make like snow globes. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, cuz it's not like every single person uses all of those techniques, but certainly mm -hmm. all of those are used in cosplay. It's basically like however you can get there, good for you your goal is to look like the thing yeah possibly function like the thing mm -hmm. without touching on the second thing you said because there's uh-huh yeah uh -huh. <laughs> i th i think that that creativity is an amazing part of cosplayers right like when i say creativity i mean well we already talked about head stuff into real stuff but there's so much variation when you take the same character and different cosplayers when you take the same character and you have different budgets people make some of the most ridiculous and amazing things out of the most mundane materials because <laughs> mm -hmm. no one's thought of it well there's like that aspect it's like why did you do that it's like because it's there that kind of attitude but there's yeah. also like i had to i was eating ramen noodles for the last month so that i could afford the materials they like yeah to say that it's a creative endeavor to say that it's a creative fandom is like a gross understatement <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's you know, 3D creation. Mm -hmm. Just real-life creation. Yeah, not like 3D printing, though. No, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could be another thing you use for your cosplay. Good. Yes. I'm not even going to say that that's easier. That's just different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very specific set of skills. Wig styling is another one. Oh, hey. I always forget about that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm article on uh, Kotaku from a few years ago. Mm -hmm. It's called Why Do I Cosplay? Let Me Count the Ways. And she talks about all the different skills that she's used. Through cosplay, I've learned to make armor from thermoplastics. I've tackled leatherworking by cutting, dyeing, stamping, and finishing raw animal hides. I've experimented with wig wow. styling and special effects makeup. I've leveled up my meager sewing skills. I've worked with foam and wood and metal and even carbon fiber. I've dyed fabric and distressed props and nearly perfected my battle damage techniques. That said, I still have so much to learn. I want to try vacuum forming. I want to su successfully cast objects from a custom mold. I want to try 3D printing and finally master sewing a freaking zipper on straight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Wow. So like that's just just a small list. <laughs> yeah, noticeably absent from that list, but came to mind to me electronics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that's not totally a discipline that people just, you know, do things in. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, people people obviously do sewing and those other things, but 
it's like electronics to me is like an entirely different world because now you have to obey like other rules yeah yeah <laughs> soldering i'm sure <laughs> yeah like to attack yeah, yeah 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 all that good stuff so like obviously you had the opportunity to learn a bunch of skills to excel at those skills to create something to have that sense of accomplishment of creating things to have that sense of accomplishment of working with your own hands mm -hmm. the one aspect that g had touched on a few times and i think i'm going to come back to now is there's also this aspect like why would people do this is because they have the chance to become something that they are not and not only do you get the chance to become something that you're not but it's something that people presumably other fans will know if i wanted to project a greater sense of confidence i can attempt to do that mm -hmm. and you two might pick up on it because you know me mm -hmm. other people will have no idea right and maybe i'll feel good maybe i won't but it, you can believe that if i had the confidence to wear like an all might costume and look all like whatever <laughs> like i'll feel that but also other people will know that because that's who the character is mm -hmm. yes you'll project that yeah and even if i don't like that's the impression that they're going to have right i mean like like you plus the costume oh, is yes. projecting that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was an interesting article that I had read, which kind of was all over the place about cosplay, but it was talking about how um, this one person was studying the effect of costumes and clothing on people, like kind of the, the inverse relationship. And they were talking about this example with people wearing doctor's coats. Okay. Oh, yeah. To do different work. And so the quote goes, on a detail-oriented test, the doctor coat-wearing participants made 50% fewer errors. Galinsky thinks that this is happening because when people put on the doctor's coat, they begin feeling more doctor-like. <laughs> they see doctors as being very careful, very detailed. The mechanism is about symbolic association. By putting on clothing, it becomes who you are. Later in that same article, it talks about other roles and other sets of clothing that have like associations that we know of. And... The same researcher says, if the object has been imbued with some meaning, we pick it up, we activate it, we wear it, and we get it on us. They're talking about like wearing real sunglasses versus um, like knockoffs ah. and how people who are wearing knockoffs and knew that they were knockoffs felt inauthentic or would project a sense that they were lying or things like that. Hmm. Wow. And that's an interesting mechanic because if you're wearing a costume to embody that character, it's like a feedback loop. You wear the costume to feel like the character, and then since you're wearing the costume, you feel the things. Yeah. You feel the things that signify the character, and yeah. I mean, maybe not to a huge degree, but like there's there is that feedback loop, and then when people mm -hmm. begin to perceive you as that character, that reinforces the that belief, increases it. Yeah. Yeah, that actually uh, points to something um, from that study you'd mentioned earlier, T, uh, by Rosenberg and uh, Lido Mendy. In it, they mentioned that. Strangely enough, in previous studies of people who wear masks, findings were generally that, you know, people wore masks to be more anonymous. But when they were studying cosplayers, the opposite kind of came out in, not in everybody, but in a, a big enough sample of people for it to be significant, where people, you know, cosplayers in costume or in masks felt more like themselves or were more self-aware rather than being less. Oh, interesting. Hmm. I think it goes back to that whole idea of the feedback loop where people are identifying with this part of this character that they're cosplaying as not just because they think it's cool, but because it's like a part of themselves that maybe they don't normally get to express. Yeah, well, I'd say, too, like you don't think about yourself every second. Like you will always if you're wearing a mask, you will always be aware that you're wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. but you're not always aware that you're wearing your face, if you know what I mean. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not always like, oh, my face is out there. Anyone's just seeing it. But if you're, but you're wearing a mask, you're, you're unlikely to forget that you were wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be on your mind constantly. Yes. Yes, it is. Be like, oh, like, like be the way people are perceiving me right now. I guess in that sense, when you're in costume, despite the fact that you're more anonymous in the sense that people don't know who you are, they don't see the quote real you. You're more in tune with your own self because you're embodying the things that are part of you to a larger degree. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could just bring Lucha Libre right back up in here. <laughs> whoa, whoa. You know, oh, man. Luchadors are the most recognizable when they're wearing their masks. Yeah, they don't they don't put on the masks <laughs> to hide their identity, but to reveal it. That's Ooh, right. Oh, got man. some Bruce Wayne stuff going on here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What if there was a darker side, like Bruce Wayne? Wait, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. All right. Okay. So we're talking about cosplay as a very positive thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it is a very positive thing. And it, there's a lot of evidence to like, why would you do this? Because it's amazing. But like, what if one of the reasons that you were embodying a character wasn't because, you know, you just wanted to like, take yourself and, and be parts of you that you don't see as much what if part of the reason you were embodying your character was to escape we talk a lot about escapism in other fandoms Mm -hmm. but this is a very different very real aspect because when you embody that character you can be like hey z like that's a great costume but you really need to do your laundry and z's like i'm a ninja believe it and it's just like it kicks you in the face and runs away (laughs) yeah i mean maybe or throws a shark and i go to the hospital (laughs) I am not implying that people who cosplay dissociate with reality, mm-hmm. but what do you guys think about that aspect where people are using cosplay to like escape parts of their lives, which maybe are not good parts? That was something that came across in some of my research. I didn't come across any of that. I can see it happening. In some instances, I, th- I think it could still be positive depending on what they do with that escape, because I mean, like with so many other fandoms, like with all, all other fandoms, one of the reasons people do it is for community's sake to build up a community and to find sort of people who have similar ideals so i mean if somebody is using cosplay to escape from not great circumstances and then through that they're able to find a bunch of people that you know empathize with them and help them through that and that's really good but i guess there's also the other side of it sort of the other extreme maybe where it's like people are hiko kimori in their costumes if that makes sense hiding away from everything in their costumes yeah that would be interesting yeah it depends on the reason for the escapism yeah i mean people could be just escaping because they think their lives are uninteresting or dull Mm -hmm. versus like actively bad stuff that is going on yeah and i feel like that might be less about cosplay probably but like but in terms of escaping in general it's like a version writ large of you, when you go to Starbucks, you give them a name that's not your name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They say, oh, it's for James. Yeah, it's me. I'm James. Yeah, that's right. All right, bye. I, I was always cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's a certain thrill to it as well mm-hmm. of escaping. Whether it's you're being a different person who's this cosplayer who cosplays or embodying the character itself. There's a little thrill of being not you. And cosplay, because you're not wearing what you would normally wear. Your face is possibly covered up or altered or painted in some way. Very easy to think that way, as we said, you know. You begin to embody what's on you. So it's more of an escape than, like, watching a bunch of movies or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
it's a higher effort escapism. Mm-hmm. When I think of cosplay and escape, the thing that pretty much immediately comes to mind is a story I remember hearing years ago on um, This American Life about a guy who would just, like, I think his wife of many years passed away from, like, cancer or another, like, really vicious, aggressive disease. And he became really depressed. But then he started wearing the Superman costume everywhere. And I guess at first it was maybe thought to be kind of weird, but people kind of around him got used to it. And then he started to notice people, like, smiling and recognizing him as the whatever neighborhood or city he was from superman so he just kept doing it to like basically dig himself out of that slump and i think ultimately he he either kept with it as like the insert town name here superman or just closeted the costume entirely but again there's that positive aspect of it that i don't know cosplay is just such a an upbeat thing in my mind that's hard to really see it as something too dark well that's really cosplaying for yourself right yeah like that's that's yeah. the heart of cosplaying for yourself which it sounds like it became about other people but like mm-hmm. you know that's why in the first place yeah if you had another hour Z, i'm sure we could talk about <laughs> the negatives of it and i don't mean because cosplay is full of them at the top of the episode i was talking about how cosplay is like the highlights of all the fandoms that we covered mm-hmm. as a result i think it has both extremes <laughs> There are many negative aspects, not to cosplay specifically, but to fandom. I don't know if we want to get into them. They are long and numerous and end in many isms, but there are many. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we try to keep keep it positive. I know. Keep it breezy on the show here. But yeah, yeah, well, I mean, obviously. yeah, as somebody who's not in the cosplay community, I don't know how big a part of that community those negatives are. But I mean, it seemed like based on media coverage and stuff it seems like it's kind of a big deal like the biggest one being cosplay is not consent if that's what you're touching on yeah like there's lots but like that's probably one of the the largest things like many aspects of fandoms there are jerks because humanity has jerks in it and there are people who see people in character and make assumptions about consent and and other things Mm -hmm. and will be like oh well you're wearing a a sexy cut there was an article that i I read uh on cracked.com talking about how everybody loses with sexy cosplay Hmm. which was a fun little read but it was talking about basically that you know if you wear a sexy costume as a cosplayer then some people will criticize it because it's like oh it's too provocative or if you make it more modest people will say it's like oh well that's not how the costume actually looks Mm -hmm. and so nobody wins and if you like decide to be flirtatious because that's what the character does then it's like well suddenly you get a bunch of unwanted attention mm-hmm. because people are jerks <laughs> but there's there's lots of little things like that it it doesn't boil down to much more than that mm-hmm. and i don't think cosplay is any more rife with it than any other fandom it's just very visible compared to many other yeah it's visible and it's physical yeah yeah there are toxic parts of other communities but they're not visible they're sitting on a forum buried on the internet <laughs> yeah it's just people being shitty women yeah a lot of it comes down to that <laughs> like that's... it can also be uh women being to women and it can be yeah. people being racist and lots of other things yeah yep nudist beach cosplay for everybody yeah. oh that'd be amazing <laughs> like it's just a fun concept <laughs> like i don't even care that everybody's half nude it's just like it's the great equalizer yeah <laughs> It's true. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, are you this character? It's like, I'm part of New to Speech. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> man, man. Yeah. 
as you mentioned at the near the top of the show in the fandom facts actually like with myrtle rebecca i mean even back then she was the one who designed her costume and Forey's costume but like he looked better in photographs or something you know as like mundane and kind of petty as that so he's the one remembered as like the first cosplayer hmm. it's weird because i want to say it's like because he's he's a man but then like we usually associate things like sewing and well things like that with yeah that's that's actually kind of interesting because i mean it's weird <laughs> it is weird it kind of ties into it was like this little short video with a little write-up beside it um that took clips from heroes of cosplay and like through uh people's comments from the video from youtube or wherever over those clips and all the clips were about how with this one cosplayer in particular she had like a tron dress that lit up and throughout the the show that episode you see how her assistant basically did all the work from the sewing to the electronics to just like pretty much everything and then at the end of the clip you see her at the masquerade and she's asked a question how much of that costume did you make yourself and the cosplayer just completely sidesteps the question and just describes how the dress is like layered silk and taffeta and that kind of thing and that especially is weird given the point that the <laughs> my point is coming up the point that the article writer was, was trying to make in that sewing and costuming and that sort of thing are traditionally women's work women's work is traditionally invisible in the public sphere and so that whole heroes of cosplay is like a totally different thing but i think that's probably what was happening with myrtle rebecca this invisible stuff like it's it's just a, a given because it's what women do you know it's just taken for granted and there's so little credit given i guess that was just there especially in the early 20th century it became a part of cosplay might not have been helped by it being re-imported from japan i don't know what the state of japanese cosplay was in the 80s and who was making what and all that but yeah it is tangled up in a very big web <laughs> so another thing is mm -hmm. You've got this costume on. It is pretty high correspondence signifier to a character that you like or a thing that you enjoy. And at, at the same time, you're probably not wearing it alone in your house by yourself. You're probably at a con or place with people. Mm -hmm. So it's also signifier to other people. I mean, we talked about this a little bit with, with unwanted attention, but it can signal to people who are also fans of that thing that, that you were a fan of that thing and you start a conversation or what have you, or you may notice other people who are who are cosplaying from that very thing and then communities are formed. Mm -hmm. My second got job out of college was when I started getting back into it. And it was easier than I thought because like all these tutorials started popping up. And this was in 2014. So I was like, wow, oh my God, I was so shocked. I couldn't believe it. And then when I got, when I became friends with Rabbit in the Moon, my cosplay partner again, like, like I actually knew her when I was a freshman in college, but that was back when I barely even cosplayed. So when I got back into it, she noticed and she kind of like fell out of her friend group. So, but we kind of like just kind of clicked. So I, we kind of like, and also my, my best friend growing up moved all the way to DC. Like she, like, I, I reminded her of her friends, and then she reminds me of my <laughs> friends. So, like, we kind of just hit it off back then, and, yeah. She helps me a lot every now and then. We, we've done group cosplays, too, where some girls aren't really that skilled, so the rest of us, like, came together and, like, did 
one costume and it was like it's just like a really cool um experience because we all we all like all of us all of our friend group really has like different skills and stuff so we all help each other and it's really nice so um i really like that aspect that's that's probably my most favorite thing about cosplay is the teamwork and like because i love group cosplays i love it so much because growing up i like i like just did my own thing i didn't really like have a group in mind i just did what i wanted like and i still do what i really want it's just even better with other people and you get group cosplays and you get like swaps trades this bit of fabric for that bit of fabric oh i'm not so good at stitching but i'm good at embroidery and like you know you have like you know people coming together over cosplay Mm -hmm. whether it's love of the craft or love of another thing that you're cosplaying Mm -hmm. yeah just briefly to touch on it like even beyond love of the craft or love of like the the work some people just love costumes they don't know anything about making them but it's just like this huge element fun fact cosplayers are going to have a heck of a time with the new star trek discovery because the costume includes this weird little embroidery not embroidery like a material that has like little chevrons as part of the it's like chainmail but it's not <laughs> oh my goodness so like people are gonna have to come up with some material for that but like those are little details that you notice as like a, a fan building up that community mm-hmm. it's like those are things that you can geek out over those are every little mundane aspect of the craft or like the show are all there on display you could be wearing a costume that could be very simplistic and be very proud of one particular aspect and somebody notices that and then it's like bam friendship mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the the community building is is such a huge aspect it's one of the things that i love about conventions that i hate about real life it's like there's a random person over there it's like do they like any of the stuff i like in real life odds are no i mean mathematically odds are they don't even speak the same language as i do <laughs> i mean fair yeah but at a convention it's like the odds are any given person likes a thing if i'm in a costume anybody who comes up and talks to me guaranteed has something in common with me true Mm -hmm. even if it's just i think that costume is really cool to which i would be like yes i think it's very cool too (laughs) we have so much in common (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's still kind of crazy to think about it though because like from our perspective it's it's a really easy slam dunk it's like yeah why would you do this lots of great reasons Mm -hmm. but to any other person they would say, you know, why on earth would I do that? I don't love the things that I like that much that I would take the time and effort to make a costume to go to a convention to display that costume. It's such a huge difference. I wonder if part of it is is just like a normalization of like mainstream fandoms versus geek fandoms. Hmm. I think there's a lot of fanish activities that we normalize, like wearing a sports team jersey. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it would be convenient to show up as, like, Daenerys Targaryen every day for work. <laughs> yeah. But, like, we've definitely normalized the concept of, you know, wearing your team, supporting, like, all these little fanish nods, which are potentially in some ways, like, little mini cosplays. Mm-hmm. Gee, you, you were mentioning something, uh, actually, from pre-show. <laughs> I'm struggling to remember it, though. Oh, reaction to something that you guys found about... People being down on on cosplay or nerd activities or something like that. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I said, I think it's pretty clear that um, our generation's not interested in divorcing nerddom from the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. 
that that's here to stay. We're going to find a way to integrate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cosplay might be on the extreme of that, but it is like a highly integrative way of doing that. Yes. Yeah. Even getting to the whole mainstream fandom cosplay thing with stuff like sports jerseys, even then, you know, if you wear a jersey every day, I mean, maybe I'm off with this, but like the general perception is that it's it's like the same thing as wearing sweatpants every day. It's like a sign you've given up. But if you wear that jersey when you go to the bar to watch the game, perfect. You're heightening the atmosphere. Yes. Yeah. You're bringing that gridiron Jones into the bar with you, or whomever it is these days. I don't know. I'm not sure which leatherheads are popular anymore. <laughs> I love how it doesn't matter what topic it is, Z, you can always make it seem like you're drastically out of touch with reality. <laughs> seem. I know it's just an affectation, but it's amazing every time. <laughs> gridiron Jones. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Were there any things that either of you think that we've missed about cosplay and the why? Why would you do it? Hmm. It sort of feeds into into enjoying the challenge, but I mean, showing off, you know? Yeah, rec- recognition of your art. Yeah, yeah. Which is something you can get through either a masquerade or just by showing your costume to people, like wearing it and saying, I made this. I love when people stop me and take my picture, like, it's a very, in a way, selfish hobby. Mm-hmm. I mean, those hobbies are going to be selfish. But especially if your end goal for your costume is... And I think I feel like everybody's end goal is a little bit like, ooh, how many people are going to take my picture at this con? And so the more people who take my picture, the happier I am. It's, it's nice. It's, it, it's feeling like you're getting that external validation from people. So, yeah, it's like when a piece comes together to my satisfaction, and then especially when you go up to the judging and the judges are really excited about it, too. And then when other people are excited about your costume, too, and they either give you that just sort of like, yeah, man, that's that's great. I love your costume or even or they want to take your picture. And that's really cool. Isn't it great? On one level, there's the oh, you like this thing, too. We can connect over that. On the other hand, there's like, <gasps> that costume. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then you're like, not only are you connecting that you have something in common with this person who's cosplaying as a character that you know from a thing that you like, they've recreated it so well that you're agog. So like we talked about the various media that can be involved in making a costume and its artistry and being able to show that off, it's like not like in a strict academic setting, mm-hmm. right? Because it's tied up with all that fan stuff. But, like, excellence is certainly uh, acknowledged and revered in terms of cosplay. Yeah. Is it time for the verdict? It's time for the verdict. Get all right. I don't have a gavel. I don't have a wig. I don't have a robe. This week would actually Do be it really, anyway. <laughs> really appropriate for those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh man, this episode comes out before Halloween too, so happy Halloween everybody. Happy Halloween. If you don't celebrate Halloween, I mean, you probably have a reason for it, but it's a lot of fun. If you don't celebrate Halloween, that's fine. (laughs) I mean, Claire and I will probably be at home watching movies and not even scary movies, (laughs) because I don't like scary movies. That's fair. I've heard good things about it. No. It won't be out yet. Okay. We'll just watch. All right. Oh, sir. Anyway. Sorry. 
Fine, fine, <laughs> fine. It's fine. Verdict time. Who wants to go first? T does. Okay, T does. All right. I think that it's almost impossible to take a topic as wide and deep as cosplay and compress it into this episode. As we were talking through this episode, even though I was woefully unprepared, I was actually ready to come onto the episode and say, guys, I screwed the pooch this week. (laughs) As it turns out, there is just simply too much to talk about. So I'm going to start with that. I'm then going to continue and say that I am definitely in as far as cosplay is concerned. Even though I haven't dove into the community aspects of it, um, which admittedly is a lack is a lacking thing in my entire fandom life for all of the fanish things that I do. I have very small communities. <laughs> I'm not very good at making friends. <laughs> but um I think that cosplay is just an amazing opportunity. It's so many different things and it it's like I, I said at the beginning of the episode it's like this this fandom that is so obvious and so personal and that combination of the two things is just magnificent. Mm-hmm. I'm in. And I'll probably do more. I'm well behind. I think I made a commitment at Anime North. You absolutely did. Which I'm terribly bringing film? up again. <laughs> it's on film. Ooh. That I would try to do the Masquerade or the Idol competition, which would require you being in costume, both of those. And uh, so that's youtube.com slash the next cast. <laughs> I think it's in our final thoughts. Yeah. And I still think I'm going to commit to that. Whether or not you do, time will tell. Either I'm going to eat some crow on air or you'll you'll see the footage one or the other. And I am I'm in. I'm so in. I want you guys to be in. Please be in. I want this to work out. <laughs> that's that's me. That's the verdict All right. for me. So you need some time. I can jump in. Sure. Jump in with both feet. OK. Get in there cosplay without a doubt is incredible i mean like as we were saying earlier just it's a display of all these different skills it's like a display of really enjoying a character and you know like really getting into it for all sorts of different reasons but this is why i didn't want to go second but i'm going to jump in here jumping in with both feet (sighs) jumping on this this glass box shattering it i'm out i know shocking Insofar as that, you know, I do not see cosplay in my future. It sort of dawned on me um, earlier in the episode, so many callbacks, but like when T was mentioning, you know, having these fuzzy ideas and bringing them to life, it is objectively sort of a different level of reality to bring something into a written story versus to bring something into like an actual fabricated thing you can wear or maybe use depending on the prop. But like for me personally... Bringing something to life through a story is just a little bit more meaningful. Like, because, you know, in our, in our group and a lot of the people that we interact with when we go to cons are cosplayers. And I dabbled, like, really, really lamely <laughs> as a young teen in cosplay and just never felt more of that spark, just never really felt more interest in doing it again. And, like, that's something that I've, that I've been thinking about sort of on and off. And I, like the conclusion that I came to is that, you know, for me, just that character or that costume isn't enough. Whenever I'm wearing a costume, for whatever reason, I don't think I can count myself among those people who feel anonymous or who feel 
less self-aware. I feel like I I feel maybe too self-aware <laughs> or at least too self-conscious. But like it put me in a costume, put me in a story. Like I feel like I'd be I'd be fine. I mean, if I were to do any form of cosplay again, I think it'd probably be something theatrical maybe, you know? Because then, like, sure, you're that character, but then you've also got some some lines and stuff. You don't have to improv as a character who is not you when improving can, you know, perhaps be difficult, depending on the context and this, that, and the other. Yes, and. Sidebar, next time I get the opportunity, I wouldn't like to take an improv course at one of those cons. I know that they come up. I know it. Looking for it. Anyway, and sidebar. So, for that reason, just speaking of general cosplay, as it's related to, like, fan stuff i gotta say i'm out if i don't want to uh bring characters and ideas and like sort of thing to life i think the way for me to do it the way that i feel best able to do it is through words is through fanfic all right it's me now the terms in and out get thrown around a lot these Mm -hmm. days (laughs) (laughs) who would do that (laughs) like to to varying degrees on this show (laughs) that's the best part uh so you know that's why there's there's justification rather than just a cold like interact oh yeah but you know cosplayers are some of the most wonderful people i've ever met i am dating one and i i love the connections we've made with people at cons mm-hmm. and their passion spilling over and i've been to tons of panels about cosplay and various aspects of cosplay we went to costume con and learned a lot about it there and i've been agog a few times at some of the costumes that i've seen and like this is the cosplay community and my occasional view of it i'm in i like the people cosplay i like the people who i know and are around me cosplay i have no interest in making a costume absolutely none and even in the wearing mm-hmm. i would have trouble trying to embody a character at all I have an issue with acting in real life in general. If I'm like, have any pretense, pretend to be a character or something like that at all, unless, you know, kind of as he was saying, on a stage in the appropriate context, I I immediately feel very distant from people and I don't like that feeling. The introverted part of me, I I guess, has something to do with it. As as he said, I cosplayed as a teen. That guy from Spiral with the red hair and the glasses, I don't remember his name. I know his voice by Greg <laughs> Ayers. I do not remember anything else about him. <laughs> I didn't even remember that. Greg Ayers is a very, very popular voice actor. Yeah. I love cosplay. I probably am not going to. I mean, uh, it didn't get mentioned in the episode, but uh, you don't have to embody the character. You can just wear the costume. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I will. But then it's like, there's also the levels like, what if you want to cosplay like Tail Cooper from Twin Peaks? Yeah. It's just a suit. You have to like hold a coffee and have a bunch of other signifiers. That's why everyone who cosplayed Eleven had an Eggo Waffles box <laughs> with them. Because yeah. like, oh, you're just a person in a, a hospital dressing gown. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means if I'm in or out, but there it is. That's for you, the viewer to decide. I mean, right now, G and Z are the viewers, so, you know. <laughs> oh, no. We're all in this back on me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know what? I can fix this. Let's take that light that's on you and let's shine that spotlight elsewhere. That's why we have it, right? Mm -hmm. That's true. That's right. This week, the spotlight, the part of the show where we try to 
highlight a worthy cause, either a really cool fan thing or, or something related to the, the episode, ideally, we are going to shine the spotlight on Cosplay for a Cure. Now, we are no strangers to Cosplay for a Cure. In fact, we've had the chance to interview, uh, as I later found out, and by later I mean today, the founders of Cosplay for a Cure. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. I need to. We need to do more research over at cons. <laughs> but um, we had the chance to interview them uh, at Toronto Sailor Moon Celebration, which the link to that will be included in the show notes. But you can also look for it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Started in 2012 by Casey Brown and Gina Greco, Cosplay for a Cure is a nonprofit photo booth style event that runs at a variety of different conventions in the Greater Toronto area and surrounding areas whose goal is to raise money for the Canadian Breast Cancer Foundation. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find out how much money they've raised, but they are at a lot of different conventions and they managed to run their booth at a very low rate. Like what they will do is they will offer you photos for like as little as $2. Mm. That sounds about right. It's a very good rate, like possibly the best we'll get. Yeah. And as far as I understand, all of the proceeds, which means I'm guessing people volunteer their efforts and time um all of the proceeds go to the canadian breast cancer foundation if you want to check that out you can go to facebook.com slash cosplay for a cure i think they also have a really cool Flickr feed of all of the different photos that they've taken if you want to see the quality of their work mm-hmm. but i mean honestly if you happen to be in the area and are a cosplayer and want to get some pictures taken like do that it's for a good cause and they're good pictures and you'll have some some cool photos Paracon the area, they're almost certainly there. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of them. Yeah. So check that out. Another thing you can check out is uh, Fanthropological on iTunes. Please hit that subscribe button so you get uh, hot, hot, fresh new episodes in your ears every Friday. And uh, if you'd like to leave a rating or a review, that would also be much appreciated on behalf of us. Of course, this podcast is Fanthropological, but the three of us are the Next Cast, and you can find us at the Next Cast. On the aforementioned YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, if you want to keep up with all of our comings and goings. Uh, and in addition to that, you can also find us on patreon.com slash the Nixcast. Yeah, and if you are still define a gog, uh, a gog about us, you should check us out on Patreon. Patreon is a site where you have the opportunity to become a patron of all your favorite artists, videographers, podcasters, whoever they happen to be. By becoming a patron of the next cast, you get to be on the inside track. You get to know about all of the different things that we do before we do them. Did you know that we already have next season planned out? You could know that if you were a patron of the next cast. Even as little as a dollar a month helps us to go to different conventions, record new episodes of Phanthropological Arcade, this podcast, Phanthropological, get convention coverage, interview people, all that and more. Even as little as a dollar a month is hugely helpful. Check that out. Patreon.com slash the next cast. And if you are just listening to us right now, if you're just hearing us through your earbuds, your speakers, your home stereo system, if one episode is playing in your bathroom and a different episode is playing in your kitchen and a different episode is playing in your bedroom all at the same time, then, you know, (laughs) someone's listening to Sonos ads. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Sonos, if you want to sponsor an up-and-coming podcast, you know where to go. I'd really love some of your speakers for free. Nickathenextcast.com But getting back to the matter at hand, if you're just listening to this podcast, then you could be doing so much more. You could also be watching this podcast. That's right. 
we live stream the recording of the podcast every Monday night over there on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thenixcast. 8 p.m. Monday nights. That's right. 8 p.m. Monday nights, twitch.tv slash thenixcast is where you can go to see us live stream and record this podcast. You get all the extra content, everything that winds up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> Every flub. That's right. Every flub. Every swear. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big draw. Those swears. <laughs> swears. Uh, what time zone is that, Z? Oh, that would be Eastern Standard Time, EST. The correct time zone. <laughs> the correct time zone. You know, they say East Coast, Best Coast. Shortly it, it, it will be EDT, oh, no. Eastern Daylight Time. I think it's Eastern Daylight Time now. Well, yeah, actually, it is. EDT right now. <laughs> That's why I don't say it. <laughs> this is my last episode ever. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh. Um, there is one more thing that we have to get to, mm-hmm. actually. Is there? There is. And that would be famous last words. Yeah. We're doing it? We're doing it. Oh, no. Famous last words. Because we've just concluded our season where we covered fandoms mm-hmm. from around the world. How do you guys think of it? Well, you know, everything's pretty good. Uh, I've got my illegal flora and fauna under my desk here. It's uh, going really well. Custom didn't know what's going to hit him. We're, we're not recording this, are we? Oh, we're recording this. I mean, oh, <laughs> all these Venus Venus flytraps and uh, and uh, push <laughs> push babies are are native to Canada now, so it's it's all good. Oh, hopefully we have cane toads here too. <laughs> that that's your answer about how things were this season. Yeah, that's the joke answer <laughs> that he says. Well, he thinks it's his real answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Real answer. I think it went really, really well. Got a little bit of extra perspective on these different fandoms. I mean, I think it was G who mentioned it in the Lucha Libre episode that uh, looking at these fandoms from around the world has made it very clear how sort of emotionally reserved North Americans are. And I think that's a pretty good takeaway. Like, it's kind of impressive that, uh, that that came out of it because, I mean, for the most part, going into this season... I thought it would be like, you know, oh, Brazilian fans of K-pop, they're like Korean fans of K-pop, fans of cricket, they're like fans of baseball. You know, it's all the same thing. It's just different stuff that people like. And to an extent it is, but people like things in different ways. To be very summerative and make up my own words. <laughs> summerative? Summerative about the season. Summative, perhaps. Summatory? Cumulatory? Maybe. That sounds like real. Cumulative. Well, cumulative would be different from a summary, but anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Obviously, I'm I'm so jet-lagged, I can't even think straight right now. Well, if Z is summative, I'm d- near autumnal. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. We did the gimmick of, of literally fly around the world for a little bit that didn't, that didn't stick. But uh, a lot of the things we chose were things that people are also fans of in, you know, where we live. Mm-hmm. But having the focus be that extra little bit on the country that we were focusing on mm-hmm. was really interesting, especially doing those fun Google Translate uh, uh, searches. 
some languages translate better than others but even that was so neat to see everyone's you know blogs and and their outpouring of passion in like you know another language or another context or to see people get really excited about things that sometimes that maybe we don't over here yeah learning about some of the more specific far-flung things like those coffee houses in vienna where you have insane coffees none of which i've ever heard of yeah but you got to know your stuff to get into and it was, it was like there's not one again we had, we didn't have that many guests this season we were more off on our own <laughs> adventure but it was uh i don't know i mean i mean it did it did kind of enforce everybody's kind of the same everybody just likes their stuff that they like and they just uh like in different ways but it was interesting to see too like the way that fandoms like affected the countries in a serious way mm-hmm. like cricket in india like cricket became part of india's national identity once they became independent from britain or rock progressivo italiano yeah yeah how that you know where they didn't get rock and roll they just kind of went from from classical and opera to that or korea and starcraft on its rise and mm-hmm. you know computer culture and, and things like that like that was all interesting to track because we because we got a little bit of history as like general history as well as the fandom Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed taking the opportunity this season to do something that, as both of you had mentioned, that we would not have normally done and going outside of our comfort zone and exploring some topics, which quite honestly, at the outset, I was very surprised by some topics that I would not have expected to have fandoms at all and some fandoms that I thought would have more and did not. I also quite enjoyed learning the anglo-centricism of a lot of fandoms that we covered mm-hmm. talking about our saint lupin fandom and how when i did my research i didn't find anything but when the two of you did your research you found many things because again it's a matter of perspective mm-hmm. and i'm searching in english and a lot of the the different countries that we looked at different fandoms in uh, are not english-speaking countries so they will not have the same fandoms with some exceptions like cricket that is kind of moored by england <laughs> mm-hmm. but i i found that a very rewarding experience would i do it again uh no <laughs> <laughs> maybe not for a little while oh maybe not for a little <laughs> while like there was a lot of topics that maybe didn't pan out and could have gone a bit further had we done some more research mm-hmm. but we are as always constrained by the the limitations that we have of having a week or maybe maybe two weeks to do the research and then it's not a scripted show so it's like will we see what kind of lands and what kind of misses. But one thing that I wouldn't want to change at all is that aspect of trying to understand the why behind the fandom and the fun things that we find out as a result of that. Because mm-hmm. if we were a super lazy podcast, the why would be the same every episode. Why do people like this thing? Because they do end of episode. <laughs> but we try to go further than that. We try to find mm-hmm. the unique aspects of that fandom. We try to find the parts of the fandom that are appealing to other people. It's like, you may not understand why people are fans of cosplay. You may not understand why they go to a convention and they dress up as a totally different Mm -hmm. character. You may find the idea of performing in front of other people abhorrent and terrifying. But I would hope that when you get through something like this episode, when we dig into the fandom, as we did for all the other episodes this season, that you have a little inkling of why there is appeal to that thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that that is a common element in every episode. Sometimes we do better and sometimes we do worse, but it's always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Everyone is a fan of something. So if you can relate to that much, right? If you can relate to like, well, I, I like a thing. This other person likes a different thing. Then no, then you can find out like the different the different ways in which people like things. And that's uh, literally why we do this podcast. Yeah. 
Oh, so when you said famous last words, you meant about the season. Mm. Uh... <laughs> what else would he have meant? I just, for whatever reason, didn't clue in. Uh, nothing like spriggan stuff on people they had no proper notes for. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed that, then thank you everyone for watching, listening, mm-hmm. having it streamed through your teeth. Yep. Over whatever radio network <laughs> happens to be streaming internet radio. Yeah. We, we'll be back with our next uh, slightly shorter season of all-star topics. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because they're ones that are personally favorites of ours. We have each chosen three topics. So it's nine episodes in total where one of us are going to be big fans of one of the topics in every episode. Yep. That should be it. We got some uh, some cool people to talk to as well. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. No season break. We're just rolling right along into the next one at terminal velocity <laughs> into the holidays. Mm-hmm. So November third, that season drops. Be prepared for whatever's coming mm-hmm. up next season. A lot of cool topics that you will find out soon. But until then, until next time, stay tuned. As G had mentioned. Mm-hmm. And thanks for listening, watching, all that stuff. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, everybody.